they know that James is the beta. They're not prepared to. to... Yeah, it's the iPhone. You know how it like identifies photos and says like brazier if like it's a woman in a bra. Oh yeah, yeah. It did that because it's all my guns. It could tell. It knew who was boss in the photo. Yeah, I know. What have they trained this thing on? We have an exceptionally valuable, high-profile guest for mm. you today. You know, Not me. No. It's obviously a high priority for us to bring on the world's foremost thinkers, mm-hmm. uh, speakers, storytellers, raconteurs, you know, etc., to talk about YouTubers. Uh, our single point of fixation on this podcast mm-hmm. is YouTubers, what they're up to, their net worth. Beefs, they, obviously. Beefs. Beefs is huge for us. Yeah, yeah. We love beefs and interrogating them. So we brought someone on who can really uh, dive into all those aspects deeper than anyone else that we've ever had on the podcast before. Uh, we're, jo- we're joined today by Mac writer Max Reed, who has written for New York Times, New York Magazine, New York Times Magazine. He used to be an editor at Gorka. He writes a newsletter called Read Max. It's at readmax.com, readmax.substack.com. It's one of the yeah. two. I'll put, it in, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> There's a big crossover, audience crossover, actually. We used to be Substack people until literally like a week ago and yours was always one of the recommended ones oh, that's, that's true, true. That's it always true. always it always puts you right next to it which makes this even an even greater sort of crossing of the streams uh-huh. but we br- we've brought max on because he wrote a article for the new york times a couple months ago on mr beast who is someone that we wanted to do an episode about for a while max welcome to down round thank you for having me i feel that's an incredible introduction i feel like a um like an explorer returning from a fetid jungle to bring you <laughs> news of the of the outer territories. <laughs> well, that's exactly how uh, yeah. we, we take it. We interpret it as well. <laughs> Tell us who Mr. Beast is. Well, he's assuming that we know nothing about Mr. Beast, which is wrong. I know a lot about Mr. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me who Mr. Beast is. I, I mean, it's funny. I think you have to be in a really specific demographic to genuinely know nothing about Mr. Beast, which is like, you have you can't be younger than twenty five because then you will know who Mr. Beast mm-hmm. is the way that people who are younger than twenty five just know things that adults aren't supposed to know about. <laughs> and if you're older than say, if you have a kid, you know, and if you're older than say forty and you have a kid, like an adolescent aged kid, then you know who Mr. Beast is because your kid knows because your kid is under twenty five. So the non knowledge of Mr. Beast is really limited to like senior citizens without grandchildren and people in the precise, I imagine, age bracket of this podcast, you know, <laughs> yeah. listenership. This is a childless 30 something. Let's just let's say <laughs> you've, so, you've, you've nailed <laughs> so I'm pleased to I'm pleased to bring to those to those people the, exactly the the knowledge they need to have about you've, Mr. you've got him dead to rights. <laughs> um, he's a uh, a YouTuber, obviously. His name is Jimmy Donaldson. Um, he's from North Carolina. He's 20 actually he himself is 25 now. And he is the biggest single YouTuber on the planet. He has more subscribers to his channel than anybody except for T-Series, which is a Bollywood music label, movie studio. He's bigger than PewDiePie. He's bigger than the Paul Brothers. He's bigger than Coco Melon, um, which is like a huge deal to people like me who have toddlers. He's known for doing these really uh, extravagant kind of combination game show reality show charity stunts he'll do stuff like he'll have a hundred girls a hundred women and a hundred men and he'll put them all each each in a circle and whoever whichever group of people lasts longer in terms of like not leaving the circle gets five hundred thousand dollars to split amongst themselves or he when he reached a certain number of subscribers he bought an island and he brought over a couple dozen subscribers of his to do sort of survivor style reality challenges, the winner of which would keep the island. And he has gotten more and more over the last couple of years into a kind of, he's he's sort of styled himself a philanthropist. Um, and if anybody, if you hadn't encountered Mr. Beast before this year, you probably encountered him in um, January or February when he published a video where he paid for surgery for a thousand, he paid for cataract surgery for a thousand people, for a thousand legally blind people, and did this 
a 10 minute video where he sort of in, he, he brought some people in to a hospital. We interviewed them before and after the surgery. Cataract surgery is like a very, uh, a relatively cheap uh, outpatient procedure that can, it's like, I think it costs about $5,000 per person. You know, if you could be legally blind, you'd have cataract problems that make vision cloudy. And the doctor can, I think the, the, the procedure is literally, they, they take like an eyedropper and they suck it up into the eyedropper and they and then they like give you a new like fake cataract basically mm-hmm. so that's the science part of the podcast is that's the medicine the science and medicine part of the podcast thank you max so anyway he does he did this and he this video in particular more than any other video i've seen sort of slipped the boundaries of youtube where he is a huge celebrity and entered the kind of the twitter verse the place where you know older people hang out and many of us were completely shocked at the <laughs> fame that this guy had reached at the sort of uh, insanity of this video, which kind of posed what was obviously a, an act of genuine charity as a kind of weird game show video game. Mm. The, I, th- I feel like the, the thing to explain that's really hard to talk about on a podcast is, and I think the reason this particular video got so, was so controversial is that it has one of the, objectively most insane thumbnails that a YouTube video that I've ever seen in a YouTube video that I, I like the only way you can describe it is as a like it looks like a photoshopped I mean it, it, so the, there's a photoshop of Mr. Beast like with this really big goofy grin on his face yeah and he looks like this is going to be totally lost on Australian listeners he looks like the most 25 year old North Carolina dude you've ever seen in your entire life and I'm sure you got you have guys like this so just go look up a photo of Mr. Beast we'll and, make it the artwork and, yeah, exactly. We've, we've, and he, we've got equivalents. Don't you worry. Yeah, I'm, you absolutely do. And he's he's got this big goofy smile, and he's got a kind of like a strip mall haircut, and he's got his arm over the shoulder of what I believe to be a stock photo image of like a six, seven year old kid who looks who's got like bandages that he's lifting up over his eyes, and he looks shocked. I mean, the first thing I thought of was the the poster for Come and See, which is the sort of legendary horrifying war movie about like what it's like to witness war crimes and there's mr beast like grinning like a goofball in this what almost is a sort of like could it might be a hospital room it might be like a dungeon of some kind i mean it looks like a like a direct-to-video saw ripoff that they they just they they hired the wrong guy to do the photoshop for and it did not communicate if you see this photo there's something you're not feeling like you're you're not like going to click on this and be like this is a good person doing a great thing yeah. for a bunch of people, even though objectively that is basically what happened. Well, that was the weird thing about this. We'll get straight into this and maybe we can talk about who he is and stuff a bit later. I, like I've never been that across him and, and obviously that came across my feed and I really tried to ignore it um, <laughs> like as much as I possibly could. Much like, you know, the Japanese like forest, suicide forest for <laughs> Logan Paul. For Logan Paul. Like I was just, yeah. I tried to avoid that as well. <laughs> anyway, um, but the interesting thing here is like, and there is, I feel like, a um, generational divide where, yeah, as you say, okay, paying for a thousand people's cataract surgery is fine, but I feel like the cringe or whatever, or the the maybe repulsion that some people feel about it is he's quite obviously doing it for kind of clout, right? It's like this member of the clout economy. It's not he's not quietly like Bill Gates, for example, uh, like trying to reduce the population by ninety five percent or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um. You know what I mean? Like, it's the cloud yeah. thing that makes it feel no, weird. No, totally. But I, I guess this is what your article was getting at. I think what made it interesting is, like, the, the down round as well, is just, like, the fact that if you are under 25, the thought of marrying philanthropy with an absurd, like, clout-chasing YouTube algorithm exploiting kind of thing is, like, normal. That's just, you know, that's the, that's the method. That's how you get a message out. That's how you communicate. Whereas if you are, let's say, someone who is aged from 30 to 39 uh, where you I kind of get the internet and well you do but on a different level it's slightly repulsive and like makes your skin crawl and I feel like that was like the thrust of your article right that's what you wanted to have to you know the, the sort of fight that took over Twitter for a few days over this video was interesting because it became clear at some point that to the extent that there were two camps in it, that they were sort of talking past each other, mm. that there was, like you're saying, my, and this is totally my knee-jerk reaction, was this kind of like, it's really gross to marry the kind of the lowest common denominator YouTube attention bait, engagement bait, thumbnail tactics, like video titling tactics, 
like the, something that's stuck in my mind is like at the very bottom of the video, there's like a Chiron that just counts up the number of people that he's given the surgery to. Like, it's like you're watching a speed run. Like there's some kind of like, he's getting every star in Mario Galaxy or whatever. It's like he's curing every blind person. He's found one in the corner there. And there's like one up, up, up behind the thing. And here's the shortcut to get the, the extra blind person back here. And, and so, you know, for, for like, for the, if that's your reaction and it was mine, it's sort of like, you know, okay, yes, maybe it's great. These people have surgery, but like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then you're, they're talking to, you know, mostly zoomers, like young, you know, young people who are sort of like, what the fuck are you talking about? How has has any, I didn't realize that people were able to do things that didn't require lowest common denominator (laughs) engagement base, by which I mean, just like, as far as they were concerned, this was the sort of this was table stakes. This was what you did. There was no way to do quiet, silent philanthropy, like anonymous philanthropy that people would remember many years from now. It was sort of if he wants people to watch his video, this is what he has to do. Yeah. And I think this is particularly interesting with Mr. Beast because he has this sort of structure for how he for how he works his videos too. Like so it, it makes it, it makes it, it makes an extra difference because of because of how he how he talks about how he makes money. So I mean, this is what we can talk, kind of talk about a little bit about the, the the man himself, because it seems like he's someone who has an insane fixation on getting as many views as possible on YouTube. Uh, in the same way as like Magellan had the <laughs> the sort of fixation on circumnavigating <laughs> the world, like this yeah. bizarre single-minded focus on that task from when he was a kid or whatever, to like just yeah. get as many YouTube video views as possible, and then like accumulating the analytics brain that's required to make that happen you talk a little bit about that because i know you cover a bit of that in the in your story as well yeah he i mean he he talks about this a lot i mean one of the sort of interesting funny things about youtube as a as a platform is the amount of content on youtube that's just about youtube and like how to become a, a youtuber and i like this is something that one of the many alienating things about youtube the platform youtube the culture is the extent to which it feels like a MLM scheme where you're kind of constantly just being asked to like become a YouTuber and of course you'll make millions. But anyway, I bring that up only to say that there's tons of interviews that Jimmy, that Mr. Beast gives to various YouTube channels whose whose whole, you know, purpose is to sort of give advice about how to be a YouTuber. So he's talked a lot about his sort of trajectory as a as a YouTuber. And he's been doing this for 10 years. He's 25, I mean 12 years I guess. I think he started when he was 13. And I wonder a little bit if that's just what he says because legally he was not supposed to have been on YouTube before he was 13. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, the way he talks about it, he didn't really do anything in high school except YouTube. And not just, and when I say except YouTube, it was he was making videos, but the other thing he was doing is he had a group of friends, people that he was working with, and they would reverse engineer from popular YouTube's like strategies to do well. So they would, you know, in, in, in a sort of... Um, admirably insane way they would look at thumbnails and they'd be like well the brightness on this thumbnail is whatever and the brightness on this thumbnail is this and this is the bigger one so we got to put our thumbnail brightness here and this is the kind of thumbnail we want to do and this is the kind of headline we want to do and he just kept plugging away he sort of famously for the, the mr beast lore his mom wanted him to go to college speaking of the laws can we quickly pause there yeah like who is he like where's he from and stuff so he's from North Carolina. He's from the South. He's he's from a like a land of like strip malls and mega churches. I'm this is I'm, this is the kind of thing that would get me canceled. How many American listeners do you have? How how stereotypical can I get about North Carolina before I get fully? Uh, something like twelve percent of our audience are from America, but I believe they're all from the Bay Area. Okay, and you know what? They hate. I'm sure the twelve percent hate North Carolina. No, actually, my, my my wife's parents live in North Carolina. It's a lovely state. It, a couple huge terrible universities. I mean, the universities are very high quality, but they produce awful people. Duke famously. <laughs> produces almost as bad as Stanford in, in terms of producing <laughs> evil people. Um, but is he he's he's just from, a, like a normal guy? Is he rich? Like? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the only thing you communicate is he comes across as the most normal guy. Like, yeah. if you imagine a YouTuber in your head, you may imagine a sort of, like, Speed or the Paul brothers, like a co- totally manic, like, clearly fucked in the head, yeah. like, needs to be tranquilized as soon as possible, like, yeah. just completely has... Uh, Jimmy doesn't come across like this at all. He doesn't even really come across like when I tell the story about him reverse engineering the success, you think, okay, well, maybe he's a little sort of socially awkward, but he isn't really. I mean, not any more than than like a normal person would be. He really comes across as like impeccably 
decent and normal. Yeah, and I right. think, and we can get into this. I think this is actually sort of part of what has made him successful as a, yeah, as a YouTuber. Yeah, everyone. His mom's wanted him to go to uni or to college. And he said, yeah. no. Nah. He said, no. I mean, he comes, I think he comes from, you know, a sort of middle, lower middle class background, you know, not, um, not poor, but definitely not insanely wealthy. The kind of, the kind of family where if you have an opportunity to go to college, your mom is going to insist that you go to college. And he said, no, I'm going to do YouTube, which he did. And he really stuck it out and he plugged away. And I think he was sort of slowly getting more and more popular. He's doing like Call of Duty streams. I mean, the, the thing I keep, I think about him is that you can kind of track to some extent the culture of YouTube, the kinds of things that YouTube is about and what it's doing if you follow his career, because he's such a, a like student of the algorithm, so to speak. Whatever Mr. Beast is doing at any given moment, you can be pretty sure that that's what that's the algorithm right. yeah, is yeah. rewarding. It's 2012 or whatever, 2010. He's doing Call of Duty streams. He's just, you know, he's recording himself playing COD and putting the videos up. And then sometime in the early 2010s, he does a video where he counts to a million. I I'm, I'm actually can't even remember what number he counts to. Right? Let's just say he counts to a million over the course of 24 hours and uploads an edited video of the process. And this goes viral i mean it goes like people people loved it people it really attracted a huge number of subscribers and in the mr beast mythology this mr beast self mythology he likes to talk about this video as the video that taught him the i mean the most important lesson which is that effort is the key differentiator that people really like to see you hurt yourself basically that they want to see you put a lot into it like mm. so he does so he takes off this and he starts doing these kind of endurance videos some of which he still does like the videos where he like forces people to stay in a circle to win a hundred thousand dollars that's a version of this sort of endurance thing he he does it much less often these days than he used to yeah in like i feel like in a very typical uh american the same is true in australia way he shortcutted the endurance part by raising the stakes with money right by like he's giving yeah. away two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that is kind of like the sacrifice right it's like whoa that's totally he's doing you know something crazy here himself yeah. People, people, love no, big, I, people love big numbers. I think that's yeah, his, his great learning. Is, like, what else do you need to know? <laughs> if you've got 250... Put, put a big number in the title of the podcast. Yeah, just, like, just lie. Just say I, I think know, we will actually. minutes with Max. Yeah, yeah 250,000 minutes with Max Reed. <laughs> we paid that's, Max Reed $250,000. We made him podcast in a circle. And if he left the <laughs> circle, minute, yeah. we, we killed him. You know, yeah, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> gave, him a, gave him an island at the end of it. And no, you could totally. if you wanted to give me an island. Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right that he has this thing where when he doesn't have a ton of money himself, he's doing these sort of endurance videos. And when all he has is his own time and his own body, he's like sacrificing those. But as he gets more followers, he starts to attract sponsors. And so the kind of next pivot, the next video that becomes important in the Mr. Beast self-mythology is one where he takes, he's, he, you know, this is like mid-2010s and he's getting sponsored by a lot of software companies nobody's ever heard of that nobody will ever hear from again, that have cash because they've raised a couple of rounds and there's some YouTubers out there. And he, re he gets 10 grand in cash from a sponsor and he just finds a homeless guy panhandling on the median of a road in his hometown. And he goes up to the guy and gives him 10 grand in cash. And then they do like sort of an awkward little interview. They give the guy a ride somewhere and they drop him off. And like, that's the whole video. And I think... That, again, much like the counting video, goes mega viral. There's a kind of, and it, it shows once again that, like, it's not just the kind, it's not, like, endurance, it's the effort, it's the resources that get sort of, like, put to bear on something that people like. And if there's a feel-good, charitable component to it, all the better. And, you know, like, I'm being really cynical about this, and I, I, I kind of, I feel like I kind of have to say in his defense that, like, and this is part of what makes him a fascinating figure to me is I think on the one hand, he thinks about this stuff really cynically. It, the weird thing about him is that it, he thinks about it cynically in the sense that he's not, he's pretty transparent about the sort of like algorithmic lessons that are brought to bear by these things. But I think at the same time, he genuinely wants to give people money that there is like a, a good heart somewhere <laughs> in Mr. Beast that he's like, it's important to him that he's doing it like this, that he's not just, you know, like setting $10,000 on fire as a way of showing off that effort. Because um, he could easily do that. And I imagine that would also probably go viral. Totally. Possibly he has done that. And I'm just going to ignore it because it doesn't fit with it. Doesn't, it doesn't fit with the narrative. That's fine. Yeah. He's a lovely guy. I get it. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that is kind of the question, right? Like if the charity stuff 
wasn't working, as you said, he's a student to the algorithm. Um, yeah. You know, would it go away? Would it like stay? The the reverberations through the culture of his that particular genre of video of like I gave a homeless guy ten thousand dollars or whatever have been so immense. Like that that format, which he obviously pioneered, what like five years ago or something, is <laughs> so just so common now. Oh, is it giving yeah. cash? I, Give, giving, I, I freaking hate it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, so like I watch majority of YouTube I watch is like golf stuff because I like I'm addicted mm-hmm. to golf because you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like I'm an sure. I'm a normal 35 year old, and um, <laughs> the golf tubers or whatever. It's even kind of gone into that. Like, I, I get a hundred people, and the nearest to the pin gets five hundred dollars, and like they've started doing these cash challenges or whatever. But, like, it's so icky to me. It's so icky. But it's yeah, so, like, that's but that's pure Mr. Beast. That's yeah. like precisely what Mr. Beast. That's that's like such a Mr. Beast challenge. Oh, it's it's obvious um, that they're doing the same thing, right? They're YouTubers. Yeah. They're studying the algorithms or whatever, and going like, oh, here's yeah. what we have to do. We have to just give. I cash. mean, and I think one reason that I feel sympathetic, I have become a kind of quasi apologist for Mr. Beast, is like looking at the videos that are coming from people who are just, who are doing what they imagine Mr. Beast does totally. and how much work. The one that is going to stick in my mind forever, I think went viral on Twitter recently where it was like TikTokers, they like put a tarp down in the bed of their flatbed truck and they filled it with hot water and then like instant ramen powder and noodles, like hundreds. And then they drove it around and they clearly staged this entire thing, but they drove it around to homeless guys and they like gave them a spoon and they were like, have some ramen from the bed of our truck, which is just like the way it was like evil, fake, stupid, like just could not yeah, have yeah. been a worse, you so know, there, there, there's some people because, you know, obviously he is um, considering, you know, how much money he's made, how big he's gotten his, con- his list of controversies is relatively short, apart from, yeah. you know, the aforementioned people flying the whole enterprise. Um, Deeply sick, disturbing, deeply disturbing, and, sick, <laughs> sick, deep in the soul. And, apart and, from that, and really just like epitomizing like the downfall of society and humanity. Totally. Apart from, Besides apart from that, that, apart from that stuff. But then, like, I know there was a guy that did it. There's a bunch of like Mr. Beast clones in Australia who do exactly the same thing on TikTok and my yeah. And there was a guy who got cancelled because he did a thing where like he wore a cast out in the the street in Sydney, and he went <laughs> and he went around to people, just random people. And said, "Can you help me open my water bottle?" And if they helped them open the water bottle, he would give them a hundred dollars or something. And then, it's, and if they didn't, like they would essentially be shamed in the video for not helping. So that has him go for, like Jesus. an old Greek woman, like, "Will you help me?" Open? She clearly doesn't understand what he's saying. That walks past, and now, but this is like that weird, sort of like. I know how Mr. Beast works, but I also, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm sicker in the brain than he is, and I don't quite <laughs> right. get how to do it in a way that isn't totally alien. Yeah. There, there is, <laughs> but yeah, there is something about as well. I feel like that's a key part of this. And I know you've talked about it where the viewer thinks, Oh my God, like I could be the next one to receive totally a hundred bucks for free or 10 grand yeah. in Mr. Ge- Beast case. Like, yeah, I might get 50 grand. Um, it could yeah. be me. And there's like a kind of excitement and addictive quality to that thinking about like, I could be out there on the street. Imagine that. Like, imagine, which releases weird serotonin. In well, he used to do that one where he things. was like, um, he goes up to random people and to see if they follow him. Like, yeah. they go, if you follow Mr. Yeah. Beast on YouTube, then I'll give you this brand new McLaren sports car or whatever. Which yeah. Is, which is and funny. he does. And, you know, the, like some of the challenges, like the island one I was just saying, he, it was all, all the contestants were subscribers of certain vintages. It was like the subscriber, you know, the 10,000 subscriber, the 250,000 subscriber, the 600,000 subscriber, whatever. And I'm pretty sure I, I don't, I don't remember if this is exactly this, but the earlier subscriber you were, you got certain like event, you got like immunity challenges or there's like some kind of advantage mm. in the shit. I got to Again, yeah, again, this you is got to get in now. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you're a zoomer, this is normal to you. This is your inner life. Yeah, this, exactly. this, this is how you imagine politics works. Exactly, so, <laughs> and maybe they're right. I don't know. Maybe that's how it works. Speaking of like the money component, I don't know how much you know about this. Like, he's giving away big sums of money, and I know he's getting mega views, and I know like he has, especially now, has like heaps of revenue sources, and is worth apparently half a billion dollars. You know, so he, a lot of his videos are kind of anywhere between a hundred million and. Th- 250 million do you know how much not including all of like the outside sponsorships but like directly from youtube or whatever that would that would get you no i don't have a sense i think there was you know i did as much sort of you know i'm not 
Cy Hirsch or anything. I did yeah. as much sort of like poking around as I could. And I didn't find any suggestion that like, so his claim is that he puts basically everything he makes from YouTube back into YouTube videos beyond like, you know, whatever relatively, you know, comfortable living arrangements he has for mm-hmm. himself and paying his staff. And as far as I can tell, that's basically true. The, the sort of flywheel that he presents, which is, you know, like we were just saying, like, sign up for me. Everybody who signs up, everybody who watches is going to, we're going to, I'm going to make a, a lot of money from you guys on these views. And I'm just going to put that money into an even bigger, even crazier, even more insane stunt. Yeah. And as far as I, and, and you know, that's a compelling pitch, you know, if you're 12 <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, he's, he's telling the truth. You know, he's, it's not like he's living in poverty in order to create the sickest YouTube videos <laughs> you've ever seen, but he is like, that's a noble putting, life. That's a noble <laughs> right, life. Would be, you know, that's, that's maybe that's the next Mr. Beast step is to mm. like wear a hair shirt and be like, I, I refuse to, I refuse to sleep on a mattress until I've made the greatest YouTube <laughs> video of all time. Cause I mean, it, that's the crazy thing. My, my first thought is when I see him giving away $150,000, $250,000, I'm assuming that Basically, from that video, in one way or another, he's making that back. And obviously, you know, part of it could be investment, yeah, broader sponsorships and stuff. But those numbers just sound crazy to me. And I'm sure there's like a bunch of people at like TV networks and stuff just being like, holy hell, like how do we compete with this? If <laughs> You know what I mean? Like a guy, yeah. he's putting that much resources into a 15-minute video um, yeah. and somehow making it back. Yeah, big numbers. It's funny you say TV networks because I, I do think the other like sort of part of this is He's doing something very familiar, like it, you know, it, it's it's crazy and it's YouTubey and all this other things. But like, if you squint, it's kind of it's not that different from the way reality TV has been totally. for twenty five years. I mean, and yeah, already we've going talked. back to even before that. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like Survivor there's, there's a sort of and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and who it, dares like, wins? Who dares wins? Who yeah. dares wins? There was, there was based there was an old show on Fear Factor, I think they called it over there. It was, yeah. it was but it was a little bit different to Fear Factor because that had, that had like a game show format. And Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, who, who dares wins was an Australian show where a former cricketer, cricket star, would basically just go to shopping centers, shopping malls, and just talk to random people and be like, "I will give you five hundred dollars if you will climb to the top of this very tall pole and jump off," <laughs> or like just like getting totally. random. And again, it's exactly the same thing. Except yeah, that's a, that's Mike, a Whit- Mike Whitney does not make them as much money as but, Mr. Beast. But then even that, you know, that Mr. Beast video where he gets one person from every country in the world to like compete in like the ultimate competition to see which country is best is just like those Japanese kind of, well, I mean, it's Gladiator as well. Like, you know, those yeah. running through stupid like, uh, yeah, like obstacle totally. courses and whatnot. I mean, I love that video, first of all, because it required Mr. Beast to determine what counts as a, you know, like yeah. just Mr. Beast entering geopolitics as totally. like a determiner of which parts of Palestine count as a country. It's like, that's, <laughs> to me, that's the, the pinnacle that of the 21st one. century. But um, I think that the dangerous thing is that maybe it will have influence. Maybe Mr. Beast I mean, map. Yeah, why wouldn't it? For, Im- to, to a generation of no, people, they're going to... It will impose itself on reality through <laughs> sheer shot, psychic will. And I, I, think, I think that's huge. The West Bank counts because Mr. Beast said it counts <laughs> um, to, to your earlier point about tv executives watching this is like part of what's happening is it's not that he's doing this for no profits at all though that's maybe in some interesting way that's what's happening but it's also that he's kind of doing this without the whole layer of infrastructure that you know of like labor infrastructure technical infrastructure whatever else that that goes into a tv show and it's funny in, in another way because, you know, like game shows and reality shows are, in particular were created and continue to sort of exist as ways to undermine, at least in the U.S., like labor agreements between writers and studios totally. or whatever. So Mr. Beast has been like, has like seen their like, you know, shitty anti-union like strategies for creating content and been like, I can do you one better. I can do it without executives. I can do it without unions. I can do it with just me and like six weird fucking guys who also <laughs> want to be YouTubers and like an iPhone camera or whatever and, you know, make hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. But I do think that like at the end of the day with Mr. Beast, the bargain that his money has to go back into the videos is pretty important to his viewers. Like, I do think that if, if they felt like he wasn't like he was keeping too much money for himself or something, I mean, this is all sort of hypothetical. I don't know how they would find that out or feel that way, but I do like those, the people I talk to who are Mr. Beast fans, the sense of him as an honorable figure, as like a person of honor who like is stands by his word, puts his money in his videos, helps people out is really important. And if they thought that he was just doing this to make a buck, 
I think he would really he would lose a lot of fans and viewers. Mm. Did you speak to Mr. Beast himself? Your, no, your Mr. Beast declined to be interviewed by the New York Times magazine. That's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. Well, I mean, yeah, then I can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we use the uh, the standard as as you guys maybe have know as well that that YouTubers either if YouTubers will talk to you, it probably means they're not actually big enough for you to write about them. No, like, totally. That, that, like like a good measure of whether or not a YouTuber is big enough for you to want to write about them is that they absolutely want to have nothing to do. With no, you totally. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've yeah. got, they, their whole job is distribution. They don't yeah. need the puny, yeah, the exactly. puny New York Times. <laughs> the clout paradox. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, that's no, it. Um, well, do, yeah, you're going to ask to scribe the fan. I was, I was thinking yeah. the same thing. And also, as you say, like part of that is, do they believe the charity stuff? Like, yeah, describe who are these fans? How old are they? What are they? What are they doing? I mean, there's I a lot of them. There's like yeah, 300 totally. million of them. Just, but, they're yeah. just regular guys. And we're, 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 I mean, we're I actually hearing think, at them. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, my guess, this is, we're entering the world. Uh, I'm about to say some fully speculative Please. vibes-based things. Oh, but, God, that's what this podcast's all about. <laughs> my sense is that like the actual, the significant and most intense portion of his fans are fully adolescent, like 10 to 13 years old, mm. basically, that these are the people who respond most intensely to the videos, who care the most about him. Mm-hmm. Buy the chocolate and all to, that. Exactly. Like clean up the chocolate in, this, in, this, in the shopping market. Oh, yeah. But I talked to, um, rather than call up a bunch of 10-year-olds <laughs> and expose myself to <laughs> legal trouble, I talked to a bunch of sort of, you know, late teen, like college-aged kids who are either have been fans since they were pretty young and are still have like a, you know, a connection or just sort of casual fans because they like you, they're YouTube people. And, you know, he's like a big famous YouTuber. And the general sense I got was that his, this, the sort of mythology of Mr. Beast as a regular guy who is mostly committed, who's like committed to helping out other regular people and creating awesome YouTube videos. Mm. That's like the core kind of, that's the descriptive appeal. Like if you ask people why they like him, it's some version of that sort of story that he's normal. Um, he wants to help people out and he makes really fun, big, flashy videos. I actually forgot about the chocolate though with like the fans fixing the chocolate. Oh, you're doing freelance uh, unpaid oh, yeah. intern work for Walmart. He, he like, so he, so he, he partnered with a chocolate bar brand called Feastables. So there's like a Mr. Beast Feastables. Apparently it's a huge hit. But Mr. Beast complained on, I think, on Twitter and was like, when I go into the supermarket, a lot of times my Feastables display is not tidied up. So can if you see it, can you make sure you tidy it up in the supermarket? And it seems to have gotten a significant number of like human beings with like full control of their mental faculties to like go to supermarkets and like clean up his 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 chocolate bars displays for him, which is just an unbelievable. That's I mean, pa- you know, I don't this real power. No, that's true. And yeah. I think I mean, I think that what it tells you, like the sense, the extent to which people imagine Mr. Beast fandom as kind of a, as like mission based, there is like mm. a, or is, I'm sorry, I make it, that makes it sound like a video game where you like have missions like clean up the chocolate, which is not what I mean. I mean, mission based. I, I think it like, is like that as well, just quietly. But. <laughs> maybe a little bit. There's like a, right, the curing the blind people mission. No, there's, I think it's mission in the sense that they think of it as, mm. it's, it's a, you're, you're joining a cause to subscribe to Mr. Beast. Mm. And I think the philanthropy, is a significant portion of that. The idea, and we can talk about this a little more, that like part of his explicit pitch is you follow me and every view that you give me is going to put a tenth of a cent in my pocket or whatever it is. And that money is going to go not just to making cool YouTube videos, but like YouTube videos in which other people are helped out with your money. So that part of the pitch of subscribing to Mr. Beast is joining the philanthropic sort of you feel moral of Mr. by Beast. by sitting there and consuming like mind numbing content. Sorry, I'm obviously yeah, got exactly. some opinions, but you you feel like <laughs> which is like one Damn of the good. the benefits of like a lot of that kind of content, right? Like I'm doing a good thing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you're given excuse, like it's an excuse mm-hmm. to kind of sit there and like devour this content and be obsessed with it because you're actually doing yeah. a good thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's very similar. Well, I mean just to finish the thought that like this that the, the sort of cleaning up the chocolate bars becomes an extension of this in some way. I mm-hmm. think that like you're on team, Mr. Beast, you've got this parasocial relationship in the first place that everybody does with their favorite YouTubers. He's asking you a favor, but also he's like, you think of him as the head of the Mr. Beast international, you know, charity foundation. Like why not? Like you figure the money that he makes from these chocolate bars are also going to go to curing blind people in cool videos. So I'm going to help tidy it up so that all this happens. And I should be clear, like, this is not a majority of Mr. Beast fans. The Mr. Beast fans I talked to thought the cho- like cleaning up the chocolate bar thing was kind of people who did that were kind of silly and stupid. Mm. It wasn't like a, but 
I, there were people. It obviously is he's affecting enough to people. He he means enough to people in that sense. And I think like like we're saying this idea that by subscribing to Mr. Beast, you're watching YouTube becomes this act of charity and philanthropy. That's like sometimes explicitly, but sometimes just sort of implicitly. That's the big. That's the real pitch. Like that's mm-hmm. what that's what gets him more than just your average relatively charming, relatively talented YouTube producer. Totally. And I, yeah. I mean, look, if you, if you get 300 million people subscribing to you, how many it is? I mean, he's getting a few hundred million views per video. Statistically, yeah. there's going to be some silly people in there. There's going there's yeah. to be some cringe individuals. <laughs> yeah. You know, sure. Maybe higher than the average population segment. Maybe. I mean, but he might oversample. He might oversample. <laughs> on, on, on cringe. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> that's, that's what those thumbnails bring in. The yeah. People. Yeah. I do dwell on that because... There's the argument you can make where it's like YouTube makes like weird, incomprehensible changes to its algorithm. There's like an engineer who's sitting in Mountain View who's like, oh, God, i got to tweak this this sort of input and this sort of input to like make sure that we're keeping people engaged and that we're not surfacing too much insane, crazy stuff. So there's the, obviously the like on the software engineering level, that stuff is going on. And Mr. Beast is like, supernaturally tuned into it and knows how to um, make it work. And obviously from this argument to angle, that's like the sort of filter bubble, algorithms rule our lives, blah, 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 blah. It's well covered. I don't need to dive into that too deeply. But on the other hand, you know, you have the argument where it's like, also, perhaps this is the end state of content. It's just like, (laughs) we finally have the delivery mechanism. This is just what works and what people like to see. And it's like yeah. big numbers, extremely high contra- contrast, oversaturated soy face in the, in the <laughs> thumbnail. The weird, super fast jump cuts. Yeah. You know, they, vague philanthropy. When, exactly. When the ancient Greeks were doing like theater 3,000 years ago, they were on this trajectory. They just weren't there. <laughs> yeah, right. that's, that's how we had to get there. I think that's yeah. uh, it's kind of fucked up, but whatever. You know, when I wrote the piece and, and I, like I talked to people and I felt like I didn't even do enough in the piece to kind of present the first half of of what you were saying, where it's like, you yeah. have to keep it in the back of your head while you're saying Mr. Beast is really is actually quite good at making these videos. And he's very smart about how to approach them. It's like, also, there's a guy in Mountain View somewhere who's putting his finger on the scale, yep. maybe not even realizing how he is. But I think the the sort of the way out of having to choose between these two things is that they they're they're always working against and with one another that it's sort of like it's obviously very useful as far as google is concerned for mr beast to be the face of youtube versus Mm. pewdiepie because mr beast so far has not made a single anti-semitic joke yeah i I was gonna say he's avoided the nazi stuff (laughs) and i think i actually have faith i think mr beast can go another four to five years without becoming a Nazi. I think just based on my study of him, I think he's got several more years before what, it really... What, a study of his skull shape? or <laughs> He will get there. He, he, he's I got mean, a normal he, skull, I think. He seems to not spend a ton of time on Twitter, which I think is the really key, the important thing for him is that he's not looking at people who hate him all the time. So he's just going to be in his bubble and not turn I, into a crazy Nazi I, anytime soon, I hope. PewDiePie is sort of an instructive comparison because he was yeah. kind of like, Mr. Beast surpassed him now. Is that right? He's, 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 yeah, he's oh, yeah. Clean last him. year. Yeah, yeah. yeah about yeah, a year yeah. ago. Um, and I, you know, I think there's a, there is like a, I don't know that I could objectively say that Mr. Beast makes better videos than PewDiePie. I don't really even know what that would mean. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that like in the, in the world we're talking about that Mr. Beast videos are more naturally appealing. So there's this thing where it's like, I think YouTube is more than happy to, encourage whatever makeup of its sorting mechanisms currently exists to continue Mr. Beast's reign on top. And so Mr. Beast makes videos that do well and YouTube is like, well, this is good for us. So let's move the algorithm to sustain this doing well. And this happened, you know, this is not like even necessarily new to platforms. I think this is also kind of the way TV has traditionally worked because you have executives looking at last season's ratings all the time. Like what's going to be the next thing to go on? And then every once in a while, something sort of breaks the whole mold and like changes the way people think about it. And then you get a ton of stuff that looks like that coming through. Yep. And, and in the case of Mr. Beast, I think he's found a really good, in the context of where YouTube is right now as a corporation, but also in the context of what people are looking for on YouTube and what people want out of it, as YouTube gets bigger, I think. One thing that, I, that seemed to be the case with people I talked to who are Mr. Beast fans is like, he's emerging in the wake of several years where like, 
extremely handsome morons in McMansions fought with each other all the time. That mm. was like the pinnacle of the YouTube universe. Yep. And I think people kind of got sick of that. It's like, how many Paul videos can you possibly watch? How many, even PewDiePie has a little bit of that kind of just, this is so dumb, I can't, and this guy is so annoying. He's, he's like weirdly he seems handsome to... for like a Swedish video game YouTuber. Well, like, totally, why yeah. is he so good looking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pew- PewDiePie seems to have withdrawn. He's in his like meditating on a mountaintop here or whatever because he's, <laughs> yeah, right. he's he's obviously lost he hasn't got it anymore and, but uh, you know he's like just, he's like the beatles after they went to india he's well, like, like the he's his george harrison literally and, like, and he'll come yeah. maybe he'll come back like doing his own philanthropy thing or come back as a super nazi like he's you know, like he his could, own rubber could go soul or whatever it but be, i yeah. think it's it is kind of kind of telling because he where i mean i was similarly baffled when pewdiepie became huge yeah. and was suddenly by stealth one of the biggest celebrities on earth even though I had never watched one of his videos and like really zero exposure in mainstream culture. And I think that's also kind of like, or mainstream media, I guess you can say. I think that's still kind of the case for Mr. Beast. Like, I don't know. Certainly in in Australia, it's not like Mr. Beast is frequently talked about on the news. And even when you have like a celebrity entertainment section in like the breakfast TV shows or whatever, you know, our Good Morning America equivalents, nobody's talking about Mr. Beast, even though he has such a like a penetration. And I suppose it's probably a generational thing. But, you know, again, PewDiePie became, again, one of the most famous people on earth from essentially playing, like, horror video games and squealing like a girl or whatever. Like, that, yeah. was, that was basically his content for a very long time. I mean, this is, like, one thing I will say. Well, th- this is the other thing that I think is true about Mr. Beast is, like, he's weirdly more palatable to somebody like me because his stuff is recognizable as reality TV yeah, in totally. a way that PewDiePie's wasn't, where I feel t- fully alienated by PewDiePie. Mr. Beast is more just... He's like alienating in extent instead of in type. It's like I know what you're doing. Yeah. I've seen it before. I hate it. <laughs> Makes me I feel really sick. Really hate it when you do it. But it's but legible to me. I do oh, know exactly. It is, it's it's you- a classic <laughs> narrative structure, right? Like it's yeah. As, you, as we've talked about, it's reality TV. It's challenge. It's sport. Yeah. Like it's all of those things in the narrative arc that he's just nailed every single point to it. But yeah, as opposed to this weird thing that has really feels like it's a recent phenomenon, the parasocial yeah. thing, where yeah. You just tune in to watch someone else play video games four hours a day and like yeah. develop a weird relationship there, with which doesn't have like an entertainment arc. They're just supposed to be your funniest friend or whatever it is. Right. It's it's close. It's cl- the closest thing I can think of that pre-existed it is talk radio, where you just sort yeah. of maybe you keep it on in the background. Totally. But it, but I, and I think that maybe part of the story here is also just that you as YouTube gets bigger and bigger, you need stuff that isn't quite so neat like like it seems weird to call PewDiePie niche when he's got hundreds of millions of subscribers but that is niche in the context of a website that sees billions of people watch watch stuff every month Mm. so as YouTube gets bigger your biggest voice is on it I mean I think the fact that T-Series is still the biggest channel is telling that it's like a music and entertainment channel with a huge like regular old media presence in one of the biggest countries on the planet it's sort of only natural that that's going to be one of the biggest things and so it's, it's also is sort of natural that like a guy who is kind of doing main like more mainstream entertainment is going to be yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. biggest one of the biggest faces. Totally. But I do think in some sense he has this kind of hybrid. Like he's doing these reality shows, he's doing stuff that's familiar to us in all these ways. But he's he's really intelligent about how he talks to his audience, how he thinks about his audience, like pitching them to subscribe. Yeah. You know, like what we're talking about, where he he convinced there's this sort of idea that they're part of the, the Mr. Beast movement. Yeah, and yeah. That becomes a, a thing. He did open up like Mr. B, Mr. Beast Espanol, which is like exact all just his channel replicated just with like dubbed, with dubbed Spanish. Which, you know, <laughs> exact because you know, he was like, I had a crazy uh insight that only X number of people on earth speak English. And then <laughs> so I decided to translate it into Spanish and I got access to this whole new market. And it's like and like obviously all his fans were like, that is so this the, the the business genius on display here <laughs> is almost incomprehensible to me. But, like, but you know, I, I guess it is smart because most, most people don't. I don't think that there are many creators that do can be bothered no. doing that or have the resources to have someone translate right. and dub and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Although I guess you could probably do it with AI now or whatever. But anyway, for now, Mr. Beast, phenomenal business genius. What about the burgers? Speaking of business genius, yeah. What's happening? What's the burger thing? He so he stopped doing the burger. He was yeah. he, he did this thing where he um during the pandemic. He launched, it's not even like you guys know Ghost Kitchens yeah. where you where yep. you sort of have a, like a, any restaurant can go on DoorDash and call themselves whatever they want. Totally. They call themselves like Thai food near me and just serve Pad Thai and doesn't, it's like not, 
Oh, yeah, not yeah. a real restaurant or whatever. Totally. So Mr. Beast, he's not even doing a ghost kitchen thing. He's licensing a Mr. Beast burger, which I suppose I never have eaten it. So I, you know, uh, I don't have the pleasure of having tasted the Mr. Beast burger, but um, he would license the Mr. Beast burger name. And I suppose the recipe, whatever that would entail for a hamburger to any restaurant that wanted to serve it on, on DoorDash. And it was really extremely popular for a while. There was like one, there is one Mr. Beast Burger location, I think, uh, in the huge new mall right across the river from me in New Jersey that I still have, I have yet to make it across mm. to. Um, yeah, you got the, he, you were over in um, SF or whatever in one of your trips recently and you got the uh, inside word that the burger was not long for this world. Well, yeah, well, pal, he's run into the, the problem that comes with all this sort of ghost kitchen, drop shipping, what have you. Businesses, there's no quality control. Um, yeah. And like, you know, I mean, how hard is it to fuck up a, a, what I guess is a cheeseburger? I haven't looked into it. I don't know what's in it, but I'm assuming <laughs> it's just a cheeseburger. Because, yeah, I mean, the idea is like, let's make it as easy and replicable so any sort of neighborhood business yeah. can make it. But, you know, some people had great Mr. Beast burgers, other people, <laughs> substandard. You know, that's not great for the brand. And then apparently now he's, now he's, I believe he's suing the company that he partnered with. For, oh, I didn't even realize that. I mean, yeah, it, it that is was, like, it, it, it tells you something about, I do, he is extremely anal about, I mean, he talks about this in, in all of his YouTube interviews. It's like part of the thing is he's like, I'm, I'm sure he's not a great boss. Like I yeah. have not encountered anything that he's, that would suggest, please don't sue me, Mr. Beast. I'm not saying anything other than like, I personally would not want to work for him. I think he probably has no, no, no. exacting standards. No, totally. I, I think, in fact, I think New York Times did a story two years ago. You know, the failing New York Times trying to find something to cancel <laughs> Mr. Beast for. Um, <laughs> and it basically, which said exactly that, that he uh, yeah. probably not super pleasant to work for. I think he has like 250 staff now or something. Which yeah, is, he's got a huge staff. Which is yeah. absurd. And I guess yeah. you need that to execute because obviously a lot of his videos are actually quite complicated. You can't, quite... you can't cure blind people by yourself. No, I mean, totally. I mean, that's the next step. The next step yeah. is that like... It's been done 2,000 we'll, years ago, yeah, mate. We'll, we'll have the YouTuber, <laughs> <laughs> the YouTuber himself aiming. But that's, you know, right. the relentless quest for optimization. You've got to be yeah. a little bit of an asshole to make that. I mean, work. I joked. I The joke I, that I think is kind of true is like, you know, he, he got bored during the pandemic that he had sort of beaten the YouTube algorithm. So he wanted to try the DoorDash algorithm. And he seems to have just beat that too. That he's mm. just like hitting platform after platform, creating things to... To beat everything, I think his uh, his risk is over optimization. He's gonna he's gonna because I mean that's the different thing about YouTube as opposed to like reality TV is that there wasn't that feedback mechanism where you could you know sit there and every episode of The Price is Right or whatever just yeah. like militarily optimize yeah. it for whatever audience <laughs> you're trying to get and, and you know tweak the the titles yeah. of the show and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you can do that now, and I think that eventually you fade into a singularity with it, right? Like the, yeah. I think that the best example, because, you know, we and a, a good way to, to bring it home is that PewDiePie, streamers, Twitch streamers, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, Twitch, Twitch is still huge. There are a lot of big streamers, but I feel like their moment in the culture has receded a little bit. You don't hear about them quite as often as you did two years ago, mm. you know, in tandem with the eSports stuff, which was a bust. And... Obviously, we talked about it in the, the episode like a month ago or whatever, like the um, like the NPC, the, M- the NPC TikTok streamers, NPC. right? Like the 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 woman who's sitting there going, "Oh, yeah, blah blah blah," receiving <laughs> receiving her cherries, yeah. and she goes, "Thank you, thank you." Like that's just that format when people realize like you actually don't need the rest of this crap. You yeah. just need that immediate feedback mechanism yeah. where like some. <laughs> low functioning guy can sit there and be like say hello to me say hello to me like you know you don't need you to find your perverts you find your, find perverts, your perverts find your rich perverts yeah. and just that's all you find your 1000 true perverts <laughs> no but i mean like if the end if the end goal of all of this which you know is dissociation which i think it pretty much is is like <laughs> the drum circle in the cave that's well, what yeah, we're doing, like, we're doing all the drum we want to do is dissociate then yeah the end state like you were saying have we has we reached our final form of media with like the mr b stuff with hitting those numbers and stuff I don't think it is. I think it basically is just like repetition, familiar face, like NPC stuff, just tapping the dopamine button in our brain like yeah. constantly um, and time just seeming to go by without like having any negative thoughts. I think I think <laughs> I don't know. the final form of content is... Like once Mr. This, Beast is NPCing. Yeah. Like, that, uh, <laughs> is, the final form of content is this podcast, the Down Around podcast, mm-hmm. just over the top of like the 3D pipe screensaver from Windows 95. Yeah. Just yeah. that. Pure vibes. Us talking, 
about Mr. Beast mm. and just the pipes. I like the ones. I like the Subway Rider guy. That's the one I need on. Oh my, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna watch. The if I'm gonna watch guy, Wait and See or something, the, I need the Subway guy. The Subway guy, the totally. Subway. The the the, uh, the cars thing. I'm shocked, Mr. Beast hasn't. I have. I actually, hasn't I introduced his own special like, like TikTok sure, ADD. He's, there's definitely been. <laughs> he's got his Spanish channel. He's got his philanthropy channel. He's got, he's got his like completely addled yeah. Swiss sub, cheese brain sub, channel. Sub, yeah, yeah. Totally, exactly. No, totally. I mean. There's a whole generation of people that he's helping raise yeah. that are going to need that. He's got to think about it. Anyway. I do wonder. I mean, I, the only question I have about Mr. Beast is, like, how long... Like, is there a point at which he gets, speaking as a 37-year-old, like, is is 37-year-old Mr. Beast fun? Is that as fun mm, as 25-year-old Mr. Beast? I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, I think you do need to have, yeah, the like vivality of youth or whatever. So, I mean, he's got to get on. He's got to get on the the baldness pills ASAP. He's got to be doing laser stuff. He can just stay. If he can stay twenty five, then he's fine. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, the red the minute, light chambers. The minute, the, the, right, the minute that you can smell the age on him. <laughs> yeah, they, they they got to get him on that Brian Johnson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anti aging, looking like a reptile vibe. <laughs> yeah, but no, not for me, mate. I'm just going to watch the DVD logo like it nearly hit the corners. <laughs> That's a good one. Now we're talking. That's a really now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Max, thank you so much for coming on to Downright Podcast and illuminating thank you guys us for about me. It's been a blast. The world's most interesting man. Um, is there anything? <laughs> is there anything that you want to plug apart from this article and, and your, no, your uh, newsletter? Please, of course, please subscribe to my newsletter. Read Max. Mm. Maxread.substack.com is the URL. You can also just Google Max Read. It's not the genetic test, and I'm, it's not a hard drive. It's the newsletter. It's a newsletter. Max Read. Read Max. Yeah, amazing. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, and have yourself a wonderful evening. If you're listening to this, did you know there's another world out there where you get a second episode of Downround a week? Yep, it's called Downround Premium. That's right, and there's no interruptions. No interruptions, no ads, two episodes a week, including the free one you're getting right now, Plus another one. Yeah, seven bucks a month, not a week, a month. Downround.net. Downround.net. Instant access to the whole back catalogue as well. You've got so much to catch up on. There's so much. Get around it. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>